My great-grandfather Jesse Strange was born a slave and freed in his 20s. His 12 children were born free and referred to as the first freeborn generation. In this podcast series, I interview Jesse Strange's descendants in order to document our stories. This is Strange Family Folklore. Some of my relatives, other descendants of Jesse Strange, researched our family tree and compiled the information in a book called Reflections of a Proud Strange Family, which we simply refer to as The Book. During this research, my relatives learned more about a family property, Mobley Creek. I asked one of my cousins, Barbara Jean, to tell me more about this property. I learned about Mobley Creek when we started writing the book. Mm -hmm. I knew nothing about the word Mobley Creek. I never heard my father, anyone speak the word Mobley Creek, any of the brothers or sisters. That was my first time after they start going to courts and getting records and stuff like that. And of course, I was raised on what they learned later was Mobley Creek. Your father was Jesse Strange, right? Yeah, my father was the second oldest child from the second marriage. He is the first of, like your grandfather and the rest, all Mm -hmm. brothers, whole brothers. My grandfather, Floyd B. Strange, the 11th child, was one of Barbara Jean's uncles. Uncle Richard is the first child from the first marriage. So I grew up on Mobley Creek. It was like, I always called it the Garden of Eden. Now that I'm looking back, because it was so much there on that land. And we had about, I think about, you know, all about five houses, about one, two, three, four, about five houses on that land. And it was just so much land we had a lot of tobacco, corn, molasses. We made our own molasses. All types of fruit trees that grew in this area mainly grew on that plantation, including persimmons. We made beer out of persimmons. And there were other uh, trees that they call honeysuckles. They were long sickles that you could eat, actually had meat in it, fruit, delicious. It was just so much I can remember on that old farm. And that's about as far as I got from that farm, other than when I would come to Cascade after I got a little older, like about, I remember about seven years old coming to Cascade a lot to visit Uncle Daniel and Uncle Floyd. That was the main house, Uncle Floyd and Uncle Daniel, the main houses that we visited. Of course, Uncle Theodore was much younger. He and my oldest brother was about the same age, Percy. Daniel was the third sibling, and Theodore was the twelfth sibling. And I didn't go to North Carolina too much. You know, the last ones always had to stay home. Of all of the siblings, I was the twelfth sibling. Even though we were twins, I'm 20 minutes older than my brother. (laughs) So, Cousin Jean... You lived on Mobley Creek, but you didn't know that that's what it was called? That's true. I don't think any of us knew it. I'd never heard the word Mobley Creek. And how many years did you live there? 
I lived there until I started living with my sisters because of the school situation. Uh, I guess about eight years old, maybe something like that. But I always lived there, went to school. I stayed with my siblings to go to school because if we didn't have a school that I could go to, I had to walk about five miles. So after all my siblings had gone, then I start staying with them, including sometimes I stay with your grandmother because the school such horrible situation for us to go to school in. Although Cousin Jean doesn't elaborate, I've learned about the horrible situation she faced as a student before schools were racially integrated, starting in 1954. Okay, so yeah. what was the closest town or city to Mobley Creek? Well, there was no such thing as a town, uh, but there was Highway 58 at High School. Mm-hmm. Well, that was about two miles from my house down into the woods, about maybe two and a half miles, walking out or driving out or riding a horse out or however. Danville, of course, was about 20 miles away. Where did your sisters live in order for you to go to school? Well, my sisters lived in Cascade. At a state of Gladys when she lived in Cascade, when I was in elementary school. Then I lived with my sister Kathleen. She stayed with your Uncle Jug, James his name. My Uncle Jug was one of my grandmother's siblings. Although her first name was Beatrice, we usually shortened it to B. I just stayed around where Aunt's day won't be. Because after all my siblings left, there was like, 18 years old, 17 years older than me. They left, got married or left. Then my father would have to walk us halfway to school and it was just too much. So I was just kind of like all over the place. That's why I'm so blessed, I guess, to have had so many loving family members that actually helped to take care of me because of the situation that we were in in Mobley Creek. We didn't have a school because the if it rained, you could not get across the creek. Snowed, you better not go across the creek. Therefore, it was like almost springtime for you to go to school full time. So we had to do the best that we could. I think that my father had a better school situation than his children because during those days, they went to school at church. The church that my father and your grandfather went to school at, I think it was right out there at Cascade Church. I didn't know that until much later. Was that Primitive Baptist Church? Yeah, that's still a Primitive Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. You know, the one across the street from us, from Herbert? Herbert is one of my uncles. That was the church my father must have gone to because that's how they went to school. So they lived at Uncle Daniel's house. I learned that late too. I learned a lot. I learned along with the rest of the kids because I just didn't know anything about them myself, what was going on. I always thought that all of the older kids like your grandfather and my father and all the guys were born down at Mobley Creek. Mm-hmm. Because if you ever heard, well, you probably didn't because you were too young. But my Aunt Mary always talked about during the Civil War, how the Yankees would come through the farm by Mobley Creek, cutting through to go to South Carolina. They had a 20-room house that the master, they called it master, but they never used the word master. 
lived in and because they fed the horses, the rebels burned it down. So they never built it back because they say my grandfather told the master, I call him master, but his name is Richard. The strange thing about this that I could never understand now that I, I'm looking back and listening at looking at Lewis Gates every so often with uh, the history of so many slaves. I could never understand why our grandfather came to this country with this white man that was named Richard. And the black man also was named Richard. He never called him his slave, yet he called him his Negro. That's what he always called him, his Negro. That was that has always been and always will be a puzzle in my life, in my brain. So, but during that time, I always thought that everybody was born in this house. But I understand that behind this house, evidently, you never knew, but where I lived, you can tell it was some kind of beautiful plantation because of the, the way the trees were. They had this, your mother will know this big tree. But there was a tree that we had at Mobley Creek that stood out and everybody that knew about it would come to see this tree. What was so special about the tree? What was so special about this tree? This tree seemed as though it covered Dagon. It was about, uh, I guess you could put the whole house under the tree and have a roof over it. It had branches in the yard, the roots in the yard ran out like uh, like a river throughout the yard in different, you know how uh, uh, the branches of trees spiral out? Well, that's the way these branches under this tree had grown, that we could have a playhouse on one side, we could have dinner, and we did. And let's say when company came, we'd stretch out a long table among that tree and, and the, the adult people be on this side, the younger people be on that side. It was like a house underneath the tree. That was something that I was so sorry that we never got a picture of, was that tree. So that was the house that made me believe that that was the plantation place. Because behind it, evidently, was the house that I was born in. And that was the house that Uncle Richard, they said, the little log cabin on that house was where Uncle Richard, the first child, was born. Then after the house had been burned down, my great-grandfather had this child, Richard. So evidently, they must want to place it Cascade. And great-grandfather must have moved up there and was still working on the farm at Mobley Creek. And that's where the long story and the mystery comes in with the first wife. The lot we really don't know is only what, what we have been told. Well, my grandfather married this woman. They had their first child. He was 27, I believe, and she was 16. And I believe that she must have been somewhere in Cascade in that particular area there because that's where they lived, that house up there where Uncle Daniel is. But I lived on this plantation where everything started from, you know, the roots of it. That's where I come from. Who owns that property now? Everybody owns the property, honey. We've never gotten that property straight. We tried and we tried, but the bulk of the property is owned 
on the records by your uncle Herbert and Theodore. In the earlier years, grandfather, my father, was the administrator over that land. Their parents told them the land should never be sold. And that's what they believed. This land, they call it legacy land, but anyway, meaning that it could only stay in the family. That was their belief. Had they put it in writing, it probably would stand still today. But I don't think that would stand up in court today. But since it has never been divided, they did make my father the administrator of the land, so I was told. I bet that wasn't written in the court either. One thing I can tell you about that family tree. My father and his siblings, I never knew them to say one thing about one another. They never fought. They never had any arguments, to my knowledge. I know my father would have been the first one to say something. He always looked up to him because he was the oldest. And Uncle Floyd was the first to actually build the house that they were so happy. They were moving up then. They were getting better jobs and everything. And, of course, my dad having so many kids. I guess Jesse was the best to stay on the land because he had a bundle of them. And I'm glad he did because I learned so much. I remember every inch of that land almost to tell you the truth. Oh, getting back to who owned the land. Who owns the land? If you go to court, everybody owns the land. But every year when it was time for the taxes to be paid, I remember all of the siblings, Aunt Lucinda. It always come to Floyd's house because Floyd was the only one at the house that they could go to at that time. Lucinda was the eighth sibling. So they would all meet. <clears throat> Every time the taxes come, everybody would come home. They could, and I think all of them came home. They would get together, and they would put their monies together, and then they'd go downtown, they'd pay the taxes, come back, have a good time, have a family reunion house on Florida. So that's what went on for many, 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 many years. Then later on in the years, things started to grow. But I never will forget my father told me. Here we had 200 on the record today, 289 acres of land at Mobile Creek. I was on all this land and I was crying. I wasn't crying, but I was whining. I told my father I didn't have anything one day. I was very small. Do I remember this? He looked at me. He said, baby. You're like the crow that sat over the barrel of corn and starved to death. You have everything. But I didn't know what he meant then, and he was absolutely right. We did as a Black family. How many Black families own what we have today, even until today? We didn't have to buy anything other than sugar and what else? Coffee. And we thought, of course... Cold cuts like bologna and hot dogs, that was a delicacy for us. But we had all the ham we needed, all the chicken we needed, all the flour we needed, all the corn we needed, all the food we needed. We had everything. Only thing that we didn't have was that big white house that they burned on that plantation. Had we had someone with financial experience or I think the mindset of my grandfather that had a business mind, and I think great-grandfather too. I don't believe my grandfather was one of the white men that just came over like the regular white people in this country. I looked it up, 
and a lot of people, strangers' names were in England. I think he was actually a kind of an educated man because he had to be smart because he had to be a smart man to acquire such land. And I believe to this day, if you dug my grandfather up, he would be a black man. And I do believe that to my grave, that he was white. You know, he probably had a white mother. And this black child that was our grandfather was his brother, little brother. That's my belief. And because, you know, whether you know it or not, I understand there is a lot of, not a lot of them, but there, if you look at the courthouse, there's a lot of strangers in the courthouse. They had nothing to do with this black set of strangers. Nothing to do with us. I think they were that group that split. Didn't have anything to do with this other man. Stayed with his little black brother because they knew in America you could not accomplish anything being black. So they stayed on the other side of the fence. Well, not easily during that time. Not easily, not period. You can't run around here being white and call yourself black without having options. But you know what? This man was very smart because, you know, he could have had slaves on his land, but he didn't. I don't remember having slaves. I think Dion traced some record down where he said there was some a runaway slave. But, you know, they maybe had to put that there to get him back. Dion is one of Cousin Jean's children. I don't know. But I've never heard anyone say that there was any slave labor on that land. I've never heard anyone say, not even my father. They had sharecroppers and they were black. We didn't have any white people on that land. We had about five houses. Were they all relatives? No, not all were relatives on the land. I don't know why people didn't treasure what they had. I just couldn't understand it. I think because everybody was trying to get to the factories. It was just like here. Everybody want to go in the government. But at that particular time, they had been so used to cotton fields and tobacco fields. And when things start opening up to factories, they just give up everything and just let go and just want to give up. You know, just we're tired of this. They didn't know what they had. They didn't know the richness that they were giving up. I think it was the lack of education. But looking back, I treasure all the moments that I had with that farm. I learned so much. And it was such a beautiful, beautiful place. We raised everything there. We raised our own molasses. We planted the cane and we had the pan that we cooked the molasses in. Then they had the mill. That's why I knew this had to be the plantation farm because everything that you see on in the movies, it was there. Did you guys make your own clothes, textiles, or was that store-bought? No, we bought, I made our own clothes every so often. The girls would maybe buy some, but yeah, my mom, she sewed. Everybody was sewing at that time. Everybody that I've known that was near my mother's age sewed. So they would go to town to buy the fabric? Yes, they would buy the fabric and they would make their own clothes. Everybody had a sewing machine, just about. Those big old sewing machines that you see when you go to the laundromat. You see those old machines back there, maybe, if you see ever seen one. You work them with your foot. 
My mom had one. They made their own beddings, their quilts, and they would hang a rack in a room. And then these women would have quilting parties. I remember women used to sit around at the quilting and they would gossip after the night and eat and just drink coffee, just have a wonderful time and make their bread spreads. Oh, there were some older guys in the community could take the straw and make chairs. They would buy the frames and then they would make the chairs. A lot of stuff was made. Didn't have furniture factories until much later. And then one day, of course, after all my siblings left home, the farm was just left there with my dad and my mom. Nobody really cared about farming. The boys didn't care about farming. They had gotten over that, like Uncle Floyd and Theodore. They had gone to the mills, and that was like a big thing. You know, that was nobody who wants to work on a farm. So anyway, we were left there. And so finally, my dad got so old that he could not take care of the farms. That is the worst thing that ever happened to this family. We should have rented that farm out to somebody. Someone should have gone down there and raised a garden. Every year, the family should have had a garden there because the land was just absolutely perfect for everything. We had fields and fields of wheat, fields and fields of tobacco, I think we had about five acres of nothing but blackberries, just nothing but blackberries. People come from everywhere driving down that road, picking berries. And my father never charged anybody a penny for anything. So I called the Garden of Eden because everything was there. Plums, pears, apples, plenty of apples, peaches, not a lot of grapes. We had a grapevine in the wrong place. My mom had this thing about a flower garden. She had about one acre. Everybody knew her for this flower garden that she had. They put a fence around it, and she had every flower that she could. When the kids got older, they would order different flowers from books, so she had every kind of flower you could dream of. So she mainly worked in the house, and all the kids, you know, they worked in the field, tobacco, plenty of corn, plenty of watermelons. We'd go out in the field and a whole acre and just burst watermelons for the heck of it. Because it looked like it was a good one to eat. So what makes a grapevine in the wrong place? You said it was not in the correct place? The grapevine was in the wrong place because my mom put everything. You wouldn't plant. I wouldn't. But my mom had this almost an acre of flower. She just went out there and had a grapevine. She just thought she'd put it somewhere. It was almost in the middle of that garden. It was a grape harbor. Then at the end of that fence, there was a peach tree that was, you know, naturally grown there. So they just put the fence around the tree. But then she had problems with us going through her flower beds to get to the grapevine. So that's where we got a lot of spankings from tearing up the flowers, getting over to the grapes. So that's why I said she put it in the wrong place. It was just something that she threw out there and it grew to be a nice grapevine. Then she made a harbor out of it. And of course, you know, they made their grape wines and all that good stuff like that. They had their all kinds of wines that they made. Grape wine, mulberry wine, you name the wine, they made it. Had it for Christmas time. All kinds of wines for Christmas. And you don't have to say anything about the moonshine. It was all through the woods of Virginia. So it was just a place to remember. Corn, all the corn you needed. Wheat. We didn't have to buy any flour. After we... After the harvest of the wheat, 
We took our harvest was up there by your grandfather's, like going there. We call it the baptizing pool in Cascade, where the post office is in Cascade, by the river, going down the hill where the river is. We call it the baptizing pool. We just had a lot. We were just so blessed with everything. Well, Cousin Barbara Jane, thank you so much for sharing that with me. You are more than welcome.